Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We're the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Steve. I'm Jake. Zach's not here tonight. Yeah, where are you at, Zach? Uh, mystery. Uh, where is he? I can't remember. He's like babysitting. He's hanging out with his family. Yeah, yeah. Family comes first, man. So yeah, today's episode. We're gonna do this one on our own and wait till you hear us ramble. Yeah, we're gonna go on tangents, and we don't have Zach here to make us stop. <laughs> we can do whatever we want, Steve. Today we're talking about chapters thirty-four, Stormwall, and chapter thirty-five, A Light by Which to See. Woo! This is this is a Way of Kings full spoiler overview. So if you haven't read the entire book, I would leave because we spoil things ahead of these chapters as well. Uh, These are very big, not big chapters. What am I trying to say? Awesome chapters. Epic, important, super sweet. Kaladin the man is going to become Kaladin the man who survived a high storm. That's what it says on his business card. The myth, the legend. All right, so yeah. Bridgman, Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. Yeah, we get Kyle kind of waking up here. Sorry, I'm just trying to get yeah. back to it. So he's strung upside down. We're finally learning what his punishment was for side carry, which is he's going to be tried by storm, I guess. Yeah, so we find out that Lamarill had him beat up. Right, like I guess we knew that he got beat up, but he got beat up really bad. Kyle got like the shit kicked out of him, and he's been unconscious for a pretty long time at this point. Uh, it's like the next day, right? Or maybe even like two days. He's been out. It feels like a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, he knows what's going on to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, I mean, he doesn't know that. So. Somebody tells him that like Lamoril got murdered and that he's gonna get sentenced to the storm. Right? He wakes up. He's on the wall. He's like, "Oh shit! This is what's happening." Uh, he's talking to like Moash, Rock, and uh, my boy. I can't think of his name right now. Rock? No, um, the older guy that kind of knows about the powers. Oh, Teft. Teft. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, as like Steve said. He's he's gonna get strung up for the Stormfather's judgment, and this is basically a hundred percent death sentence. Um, these storms are like crazy huge. It's, I mean, it's essentially a hurricane. The the size of the debris and stuff getting thrown around. There's there's no chance you could live through it. You're gonna get crushed by rocks and pelted by you know sandblasted by little pebbles and stuff. Your skin's gonna get torn off your body. We're talking about gusts of a couple hundred miles an hour I think you know this is some crazy stuff yeah I mean it can move boulders and that's if it can move boulders it can certainly move you yeah I almost thought that you know well when we get to the chapter we can talk more about it but I thought like it would just rip his skin off you know because he's tied to something right but right I mean that would happen to a normal person I think you would basically just get completely shredded because even if you were lucky enough to not get hit by a boulder, there's no way you're not going hit, to get hit by little tiny stones. They're just going to be everywhere. They talk about the storm wall coming like almost like a the storm front is almost like a solid object. There's so much debris in it. 
Like, have you ever seen pictures of like flash floods and how the front of them is just like mostly logs? That's like what I picture. Yeah, it's what it's pushing. Yeah, that's what I mm-hmm. picture happening. Great. Well, we also have Syl here who's trying to comfort him, I suppose. You know, as always, Syl's always taking things a little lighthearted. Uh, we do have a reading here. Do you want to do it, Jake, or do you want me? Yeah, I got you take the first one. You were beaten by those soldiers, she said, seeming to grow smaller. I've gotten back at them. I made one of them trip three times today. She looked concerned. So yeah, she's off tripping people to make it better for Kaladin. Sounds great. Look how alive she is now that she has like grudges and she's out like fucking with people. It's awesome. Sills really becoming like, do you like her yet at this point? Or is she still like some weird fairy creature to you? Or is she like a character? Yeah, I, I think maybe even into this next chapter, we get to see like something great from her, her trying to protect him. Yeah. And she's basically replaced Tien, right? The, the aloof person in Kaladin's life who reminds him that things are worth smiling about. Sure, that's a good take. Yeah, that's good. Tien, man. Poor Tien. Every time I find a cool rock, I think about you, Tien. So, yeah, and she explains to him that, like I said, Sadius killed Lamoreau, and that he's going to be made an example of, but that the rest of Bridge 4 is going to be okay. Oh, and I think, is this, she, she tells him, too, that 200 guys from the other bridges are KIA, and obviously Cal being Cal blames this on myself, on himself, and holds herself responsible for their deaths. Got a rock quote here. Yeah, so here's Rock talking to Kaladin in front of the other boys. And he says, oh, let's see, can I do it? We will remember you. Bridge four. We won't go back to how we were. Maybe all of us will die. But we'll show the new ones. Fires at night. Laughter. Living. We'll make a tradition of it for you. It's funny that he says laughter and living, and I'm like, oh, the, the opposite of Kaladin. Yeah, but they're all laughing. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> here, I'll try. Okay, we have a Moash quote here, too. I'll try to do Ma- Moash's voice in, in Michael Kramer. <laughs> see, how does he? He's always, eh, eh. You did this for us, Moash put in. We'd have died on that field. Perhaps as many as died in the other bridge crews. This way... We're only going to lose one. Both are like not that comforting. I can't remember if Kaladin was comforted by that. He was probably like, man, none of this is working. Uh, <laughs> I thought Rock's quote was really comforting. As much as you could be comforted in that situation, like I guess all your boys are still going to die, but at least they're going to like try and carry it on. You know, it's about as much as you can hope for in this situation. And Kaladin, I think, is happy that it's just him dying and not the whole bridge crew getting put to death because he does think that that could happen at one point. That was why he asked to be beat up at the end of last chapter. Right. And then they talk about... uh, They had talked amongst themselves about cutting him down and trying to save him. Cal tells them that that's a fool's mission because it would just end up with them dying. And they look at each other like, yeah, we kind of thought about that. That's why you're still tied up here, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't want to do that. So Cal has one last request. The storm is on its way. Bridge four is going to move inside and leave Cal out here. Cal says, I want you to go back into the barrack and tell the men to come out after the storm. Tell them to look up at me tied here. 
Tell them I'll open my eyes and look back at them, and they'll know that I survived. So he's nice. he's setting up like a prophecy for himself. He calls it a long bet, right? Rock gives Cal a single done sky mark as a good luck charm. Uh, and there's an old saying, carry a sphere with you into the storm, and at least you'll have light which to see by. Oh, I'm sorry, I messed that up. Light by which to see. So yeah, Cal has one sphere in his hand that Rock kind of pushes into his palm, and the other bridgemen le- leave as the high storm approaches. Sill stays behind, and Cal explains his request to Sill. That's all you, Steve. All right. I'm putting it all on the long bet, Callington whispered. If I die, then they'll come out, shake their heads, and tell themselves they knew it would happen. But if I live, they'll remember it, and it will give them hope. They might see it as a miracle. Sill was silent for a moment. Do you want to be a miracle? No, Callan whispered. But for them, I will be. This I thought was pretty crazy. Like, I, I, it's hard for me at this point to imagine Cal doing something like this. This seems really out of character. I guess he's desperate, but he doesn't have a choice. I mean, he could have just like not done that. I guess like done what? Tell them to come out and look at him. Yeah, like he didn't have to like set up a prophecy, right? He could have just been like, oh, "Fuck, Sadius." <laughs> <laughs> True, just like yelling the whole time. Like, I mean, does he? he does he think he's gonna live? Does he know he's not giving up? I think is the yeah thing here. Is the guy who told his men not to give up is not going to give up? Like they they all kind of wrote him off, right? When not not in a unpleasant way, but they were like, yeah, like we'll miss you and love you, but it doesn't seem likely out here. And he was like, come out and look into my eyes. It just also seems almost like chances are, he's not going to live. So I set your guys up for that. Like emotional. Well, he said to do both, right? Like yeah. if, if you see me looking at you, we're good. But yeah. And then Cal sees the storm wall approaching this terrible yeah, wall of death and rain and rocks. Lightning. A boulder almost hits him. Yeah. I think it smashes the roof next to him. Which that just like makes you think like how stout these places have to be to be able to survive something like that. It was hard for me to picture. I was picturing like kind of those sheet metal like sheds, you know what I mean? But like that's definitely not what they are. Yeah, like the half circle. That's what you're talking about. Corrugated metal sheds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I had something more like that pictured, but you, this is definitely something really stout. If like a, you know, a suitcase sized boulder can hit it and not just absolutely destroy it, it's basically a castle. Yeah, exactly. I, I how do they make their buildings? They make them out of wood first, and then soul cast them into metal. I thought they were like fabric. They made like tents and then soul casted them into stone. Stone. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's and it goes how they right. Do it. it goes right into chapter thirty-five, a light by which to see, uh, which is referencing that Dun sphere he was just given. Chills, man. and this is this is nice because there's a lot of times where we'll read a chapter, a Kaladin chapter, and it's like now we're going to Dalinar, or it'll be like I'm going to a flashback, and I I really don't like that. I like it when I can 
when things start to get good and it goes sequential, it like it keeps going. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Give me more, more, more. Yeah. On just like now I re-listened to these two chapters on my way home from work. Uh, and this could almost be one chapter. It's just like immediately after the other one. And neither one of them are very long in Brando Sando world. But uh, I had to skip the next Shalon chapter and get to the next Kaladin chapter to see like what happens even after this one. I just like had to know. Yeah, Shalon in this part of the book isn't as good because she's too busy eating jam. <laughs> but um, the next uh, Shalon chapter is really good too. It's just that I just heard a Kaladin chapter. But uh, we'll talk about the next Shalon chapter next week. So yeah. Cal is getting flapped around like basically a flag on a flagpole is how I'm imagining it. Like he's been flipped over and he's just like flapping by his arms. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it really describes it. We, you know, we have some notes here and I don't think it really goes into as much detail, but oh, yes, it does. Here we, we have it here. Do you want to read this or do you want? Go ahead. Each moment was a struggle. The wind yanked him left, then hurled him right. He couldn't know how long it lasted. Time had no meaning in this place of fury and tumult. Tumult. His numbed, battered mind started to think he was in a nightmare. A terrible dream inside his head, full of black, living winds. Screams in the air, bright and white. The flash of lightning revealing a terrible, twisted world of chaos and terror. The very buildings seemed blown sideways. The entire world askew, warped by the storm's terrible power. Pretty freaking intense. It, this... this- almost made me like tear up as I was listening to it knowing what was coming you know and this is such a powerful moment and then this part where he goes through all that he's whipping in the wind and then the the storm the eye of the storm I imagine it comes over him right and all is calm all of a sudden he looks up and he sees this giant like crazy face of a god basically the storm father and like is this is this something only Kaladin would see? I I don't under I don't really know what this is. Is this something like anybody could look up at and see? Like this is like a supernatural storm. Is his face always up there? I understand it to be uh I think it's a spren that's showing its face and doesn't always show it, but it can show its face. Cool. But I'm not really sure without giving away other information. We do have a little quote here. Yes, when the face appears. In that darkness, an enormous face appeared just in front of his. A face of blackness. Yet, faintly traced in the dark, it was wide, the breadth of a massive thunderhead, and extended far to either side. Yet, it was somehow still visible to Kaladin. Inhuman. Smiling. It's weird that it's smiling. It's basically just the jack-o'-lantern in the sky. Pretty creepy. I wonder if it has sharp teeth (laughs) or buck teeth. All this stuff gets me so hyped. This stuff is so cool. It's so, I mean, I know epic's an overused word, but this just is friggin' epic, right? It's so. This might be the first really epic thing in this book. Like, I understand the guy walking on the ceiling and stuff like that is pretty cool. But in terms of something like monumental scale, this seems to be the first thing that happens in the book where a character, a, a main character experiences it. And then I think we can make this connection that this is what gives the power 
to the spheres, right? This is what recharges them because the sphere in Kaladin's hand blazes into light and it illuminates. It's so, the storm is so dark. It's like pitch black basically at this point. So he has this bead of light in his hand now after the face of the storm father went over him. I, I realized something when we first started this chapter that I've never thought of before because he uses the stormlight to heal himself. Yeah. But basically, Kaladin should fight in high storms because he just would have unlimited energy almost. Yeah, totally. That's badass. Yep. That has not happened in this book. He looks down at his wounds now that he has some light to try and like assess the damage. You know, he's trying to do his surgeon thing. And then by the time he looks back up, the face is gone and the storm has returned. Kind of gives me some Jesus vibes. You know, dying on the cross, looking up at your at the father. You know, why have you forsaken me? Oh, uh, you know, I I never made that connection, but it is kind of obvious. Or if not intentional, it's pretty close. Huh? Yeah, it seems Probably a little bit intentional, right? I mean, there's plenty of martyrs. There's he's, always he's martyrs. He's got his arms like spread open too. You know, he's like mm-hmm. almost crucified. Oh, yes. I mean, I would consider this a crucifixion. It's not like the typical one we're used to, right? But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he wonders if this is a vision or if he actually saw that. He's like tripping out a little bit. But the blood smeared sphere is still glowing in his hand. And then he blacks out from exhaustion. Then we get a cut here to Tef's POV. And is is this the first Tef POV? That's a good question. I want to say yes. I think it is. Tef ends up being one of my favorite characters. I think he's a fan favorite too. I don't know. Yeah, much. I like him a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of like the bridge forward dad in a way. Yeah, and he's like a good guy, but... Like, doesn't want to be, and he has, like, this weird conflicted personality that is oddly comforting. Well, he's like, I'm a tough guy, and I've been there before, and I don't want to be there again. I just want to lean back in my lazy chair and have a beer. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. It's like, oh, Taft, <laughs> time to go on a bridge run. <laughs> yeah. So, Taft, I don't even think, is, like, even first out of the barracks, but he's going out in the first group you know probably rock is in front of him maybe i think other people were because he notices them freaking out right uh back to the tef pov thing i can't remember he's definitely we know that he's questioned the things cal can do by now he's before he's been like what the fuck is going on or maybe this is the first thing that makes him question it i can't remember but no i want to say he's questioned it before so yeah cuz he's like why don't those did. arrows hit you yeah but i don't think it was from a pov point he just said something like that right like he okay. was like awfully yeah. convenient the exactly uh i think that's what we got but yeah now we actually see we, we kind of get a little hint at his background and like knowing that he knows what this stuff is. Cause he's like, why now? And we, we have this quote here. Um, yeah. So like I was saying, Tef comes around the corner and we start into this quote there. He saw what he'd expected and what he'd feared. The corpse looked like a hunk of slaughterhouse meat skinned and bled. Was that a person? Kaladin's skin was sliced in a hundred places. Dribbles of blood mixing with the rain water running down the side of the building. The lad's body still hung by the ankles. His shirt had been ripped off. His bit Bridgman trousers were ragged. 
Ironically, his face was cleaner now than when they'd left him, washed by the storm. Teff had seen enough dead men on the battlefield to know what he was looking at. Poor lad, he thought, shaking his head as the rest of Bridge 4 gathered around him. And Rock, quiet and horrified, you almost made me believe in you. And then Kaladin's eyes snapped open. <sighs> Plot armor. Yeah, so the bridgemen freak out. The spheres, yeah, so the spheres I have slips the, from Cal's hand. And Tef notices it as it's done. And then, yeah, Rock starts rushing everybody to action. And here Steve has a Rock quote. Well, before we didn't talk about this, but when Tef's like walking up and, and talking about like his past or whatever, he says, and you don't believe Tef asked himself still looking down. If you don't, why are you following? But if you did believe you'd look, you wouldn't stare at your feet. You'd look up and see. So he's trying to like convince himself that if, if Kaladin is alive, he fears what that means, which is that they've returned. Yeah. And he doesn't want that because that means a lot of bad things are going to happen too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that internal conflict was like what I was struggling to put out. Talk there. about with Tef. Yeah. 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 That's why uh, so, that like little internal conflict there is what made me like him so much so quickly. Like I was like, oh, this is like super interesting. What's going on here? What's up with this guy? Well, it does so many things too. It's like you just said, it makes this character more interesting. Ooh, I want to know more. Oh, also, he's explaining how the world works. Yeah, so what's we're getting, he know? Tell me, tell we're me. getting narrative through character exposition instead of the author just saying, and the world's like this. You know, it's good storytelling. It's very good storytelling. I talked about that last episode, how when Sanderson was, instead of just describing a library, he gives you this through a point of view, right? He, he builds the story. He builds the world very well through character interaction with it instead of just narration. It's cool how so, he can just immediately like make you like a character when they get a POV too. So do you want me to try and read this? This rock forgets. Yeah, I'm excited to hear you. All right, we'll, tr- we'll try it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so right after Teft goes up to Calden's hand and sees that the sphere he's holding is empty. It should have been fully infused. What had gone wrong? Umalaka ki, Rock bellowed, pointing. Kama mohore namam vo. He stopped realizing he was speaking the wrong language. Somebody be helping me get him down. Is still alive. We need ladder and knife. Hurry. That was okay. Yeah, I loved it. No practice, you know, for that. Yeah, that was just off the cuff. Uh, I lo- I love the idea of him speaking the wrong language first. I don't know why I got such a kick of that, but I, I chuckled. I laughed out loud at that. I wonder if it's a direct translation to what he just said. I just might imagine, not be. I just imagined him smacking himself on the forehead like, oh shit, like he's just like his mind's blown, you know? I wonder, is there a, somewhere in these books where it translates things? Not in the books that I know of, but I think there's quite a bit of translation on uh, is it still oh. the copper mine for Stormlight? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Kama Mohorhe Namaval. I would guess he's almost saying like something prophetic maybe uh, from his religion. Oh, I think it's like a direct translation that he gives you right after that. I think he's saying somebody get a ladder and a knife in... Oh, okay, you do think that. Okay. Yeah. 
I think he's like, oh shit, that's not the way to say it. And then he says it in in common or Calid- boring. Yeah, boring, yeah. Yeah, I think he's just like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, then they're all scrambling around, like not knowing what to do because they fully expected him to be dead. Well, and then some guards start coming out and they see that he's alive and these bridgemen are cutting this guy down who got sentenced to death. But they're like, well, he lived. (laughs) Yeah, that was what they said was supposed to, we're not allowed to touch him now. And and this is great because you instantly know that Sadius can't really touch him because... If he did anything, he'd be like denying the Stormfather's judgment. He'd be a heretic. Yeah, yeah. He would go against God. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's right. Gotta love Sadius. He's a super cool guy. Because he announces in front of like the whole army, Kaladin sentence, right? So everybody knows. Can't go back now, Sadius. Whoops, you made a martyr. It would have been a martyr either way. I mean, if he would have done it like... Low key though, and he lived. He probably would have just poisoned him or something, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. But he can't really do that. Or, or if he would have just like killed him and to begin with, he would have been a martyr. But only to Bridge Four, it wouldn't have mattered. Now he's a martyr. The whole army's like, "What's up with this Bridge guy that lived through a high storm?" Huh? It just shows how much Sadius hates the Bridgemen too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Fuck those guys!" Like especially. I want them to die. And this one didn't. That's un that's not gonna happen. Tef's like, we need more spheres. <laughs> uh so we do yeah, so what like we were saying, that sphere slipped out of his hand. It should have been full of stormlight, but it wasn't. And then Teft, being the cult, past cult member, knows that something fishy's going on here. And we have a Tef quote here, if you want to read it. Yeah, Unless this this is another great Tef moment that makes me love him a lot. This is such a good chapter, man. Man, oh, I got chills. I love this shit. An empty sphere after a storm, he thought, and a man who's still alive when he should be dead. Two impossibilities. Together, they bespoke something that should be even more impossible. Where's that ladder? Tef found himself yelling. Curse you all. Hurry, hurry. We need to get him bandaged. Somebody go fetch that salve. He's always putting on wounds. He glanced at Kaladin, then spoke much more softly. And you'd better survive, son, because I want some answers. So yeah, Teft is definitely the first one to suspect what's really going on here. I mean, Rock thinks it's weird that Cal has a spren, right? But I don't think he knows anything about the Knight's Radiant or anything like that. Like, Teft actually knows what's up because like you said, he's, he was in this cult. I couldn't remember how much of that Teft backstory we've got so far. So maybe if you want to tell me what has happened already, like how much do you Um, know about the cult he grew up in? From the way of Kings, what I know is that they weren't very good people sometimes and they were searching for the Knights Radiance. Do you know how they were doing it? Like, they were trying to. Uh, you learned that in Words of Radiance. Okay, so we can't get there yet. Correct. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the end of the chapter. Is you see Teft finding hope. He's like, this guy is a fucking night radiant. We get him down. <laughs> it's Jesus. Yeah. Which is very actually sad for Teft because he rejected his past life. Right. Yeah, and this has a lot of 
consequences for him. I mean, I think he is excited about it, but at the same time, this has a lot of like weight to it. There's a lot of baggage that goes with this revelation. Mm -hmm. That's where it ends. We did good. We stayed on track the whole time. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of good quotes. A lot of good quotes for us. I mean, honestly, like we could have just read this whole thing. It would have been. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It would have been good. And then at the end go, that was pretty good. And then we could say that since it was a journalistic approach that we could read the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, so Teft is great. Cal is even better than he was before. Yeah, we just love Bridge Four, huh? This is a great moment for Bridge Four. Kaladin. Yeah, this is crazy. What's going to happen next here? Hopefully more side carry. (laughs) I'm actually having trouble remembering what exactly is the next steps for Bridge Four, but I'm sure it's uh, pain and shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right, you want to call it there? Yeah. All right, thank you everybody for listening to this overview of chapters 34 and 35 of The Way of Kings. We'll be back next week starting with chapter 36, The Lesson. We are the Three Rivers Boys, and this is the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. I'm Steve. I'm Jake. Zach's not here, but he wishes he was, and he misses you all. You know what would really make Zach happy, y'all? is if you went on Twitter and you follow it, followed us at Three Rivers Boys. That's three spelled out. T-H-R-E-E. Subscribe to our Spotify or our iTunes. Yes, tell, get, tell people. these podcasts every week. We really appreciate listeners, and Zach likes it when you tweet at him. He really likes that. Read more books. The interaction. Read more books.